Thanks for tuning in to the Happiness Playbook, a podcast that supports your practice of play theory, a life strategy that cultivates hope, generosity, and validation of self and others. Here at the Happiness Playbook, we believe life is a team sport, and we're all in this together. So let's join forces as we focus on the positive and share tips and practices to up your happiness game. I'm Adeline Florence, and I'll be your host for this episode of the Happiness Playbook. And I am so excited to share part of one of a two-part interview with three and a very special guest, Ryan Bailey Warrow. Ryan is a Take Note Troop alumni and good friend. She's a talented artist, visual artist, who earned a very competitive degree in the animation department from Brigham Young University, which only 10% of applicants are accepted. And she made it in as a freshman. So let's give Ryan a round of applause for that. We'll put a bunch of links to her art in our show notes and share her profile on our social media accounts. She's also still performing. Currently, you can see her as Tinkerbell in the production Wendy and Peter Pan. If you're listening in May of 2022, we have the show details on the website, and I'm sure she would love to see you guys there and appreciating her wonderful work. But before we dive into our conversation with Ryan, we have some team business. First up, our post-game analysis. Let's review last week's challenge and play of the week. Remember we talked about the Japanese principle of kigatsuku? Becoming aware of others' needs and volunteering to help without being asked. Were you able to find a way to do more than you have previously to lighten a burden you noticed another shouldering? How did it go? We'd love to hear about it. My mom, Lurie Florence, had some extensive oral surgery last week, and her friend Jana was absolutely amazing at practicing kigatsuku. She offered to help her to the appointment and then made a ton of soups to freeze since my mom was only allowed to eat liquids for a while after the surgery. Jana had a similar surgery and was aware of what would be needed, so she was able to see the need and then act before even being asked to. What a blessing for Lurie, and what a great example of kagatsuku. Did you guys notice any kagatsuku in action? Share in the comments on playtheory.org or DM us on Instagram at The Happiness Playbook. We would love to share your story on another podcast episode. Before we get into the interview with Ryan, here's another example of Kigatsuku and looking outward in this week's highlight reel. 12-year-old raises $325,000 for Ukrainian kids. Gabriel Clark, a 12-year-old living in Cumbria, England, combined his woodworking skills with his sense of philanthropy. He's been making bowls and other objects since he's first picked up his grandfather's hammer as a young child. He had been selling the wooden bowls to earn money for a mountain bike, but the war in Ukraine inspired Gabriel to make a bowl to raffle off, with all donations going to save the children to help kids in Ukraine who've been impacted by the conflict with things like food, water, a safe place to sleep. The bowl had blue and yellow rings as a nod to the Ukrainian flag, and Gabriel's initial goal was to raise 5,000 pounds, which is the equivalent to a little over $6,000. He surpassed that number almost immediately and to date has raised $325,217. Even after the raffle winner was announced, donations continued to come in. The last bit of business for this week's Team Happiness Huddle is that we received a special note from Rose, one of our listeners who took the time to send this note, which really made our day. She says, I thought I'd take a break from washing the dishes, which is when I usually listen to the Happiness Playbook podcast, dry my hands, and send a note of appreciation. 
It has been such a blessing for me and my family. I am constantly using these principles and reminding my children of them. They help me get through the tough days as a mom with littles. Lately, I've been trying to pick one principle to practice for the week with my kids. We try to find examples of when someone was successful with it or when it could have been helped in a situation. I try to find games that help us practice it as well. I loved the episode when you shared the game, Take the Loss. It was a perfect one to practice, especially with my five-year-old, who doesn't rebound very well when she loses a game. I find myself sharing these principles when I'm chatting with my friends and giving advice when asked for. I really hope to set up a practice day with my kids' friends at co-op or something. Your podcast has helped me keep that dream alive and to start some small ones with my own kids. I love the upbeat, sunshiny, all-in-this-together feel it has. You can often catch me dancing in the kitchen at the close of one of these episodes. Thank you so much, Rose, for sharing these positive sentiments. It really keeps us motivated. We'd love to see a few more five-star ratings on iTunes to raise the podcast's visibility. Thank you for sharing and for letting us share these words on the podcast. If any of you listeners would like to share a note or review, please DM us, let us know, email us. We would love to share your thoughts and insights. Okay, it's time to get into Larie's conversation with our very special guest, Ryan Bailey Warrow, where they discuss how play theory has served Ryan in her creative endeavors and also helped her get through some big challenges, which we'll let her talk more about. And with that lovely sentiment, let's get to this discussion about how play theory has served Ryan in her creative endeavors and also helped her get through some big challenges, which I'll let her talk more (laughs) about in a minute. So I've known Ryan since she was a young teen, and I loved directing her when she was in TNT and coaching her on her improv team. And I have some fun stories about Ryan. I remember, I know Ryan, she's (laughs) an expert at Let Come Play, because when she was cast in our Susical production, she was Gertrude, right? Uh Uh-huh. And she was delightful, did a wonderful job. And was it the second weekend of performances? You lost your voice? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So she'd done the first weekend. It was great. She sounded wonderful. (laughs) And then she completely lost her voice. Do you remember that? Oh, it was gone. Oh, vividly. (laughs) Like, it is imprinted in my mind with a fiery iron. Like, I oh hope it's a positive for you because I, <laughs> I, I know it was challenging because her voice was so gone. It was that squeak kind of sound gone. It wasn't just, I can't sing loud, but for Gertrude, the bird, oh, it was perfect. It was it wonderful. Was so funny. And I, I love, she just let go and played. And I know it was still super hard, especially in the moment. And I just kept telling her, this is so good. It's, it's well-received. People are loving it. I know it's <laughs> disappointing, right? You were yeah. so disappointed. So you had to let go and, and literally keep performing in the play and I was so proud of you oh well I I look back like that is one of the most vivid like plays I think I've ever been in like with one of the shows that I still think back on occasionally as one of my favorite shows I've ever done even though that was a horrible thing right that was the worst thing you could imagine happening yeah it was one of your favorites it wasn't my favorite at the time I will say (laughs) I remember when I lost my voice I was traumatized to go on stage and like I really once I got out there I was like I'm just gonna make the most of it which you did squeaky little voice it was delightful I think it totally added to the character me too and people were like I didn't even know you were supposed to sing like (laughs) felt like it all worked I was like well that's good yeah (laughs) Um, but I look back on it now, uh, it, like you said, you were hoping with good memories. Yes, with such fondness because I I feel like I grew so much as a person that I didn't need to be perfect to present myself to the world. 
And wow. before that, I had such a like, you know, as a young, vulnerable little teenager, you're like, yeah. I have to be this way, this perfect person for people to like me. And you had worked really hard at this part. And that first weekend, you you nailed it. You were all those things. Mm-hmm. And so to have that so disrupted, that would have been very upsetting. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't remember this as much, but my mom... Like, we talked about this just a few months ago. She's like, I remember you would come off stage, like, at the end of the show, just crying in my arms because you were so disappointed that you couldn't bring what you wanted to to this show. And she's like, you know, I think you brought more once you lost your voice. Like, I had to focus more on character and acting than ever before (laughs) because I couldn't rely on anything else, you know? Yeah. Oh, and that's that's a great accept and build, right? Okay, (laughs) I don't have a voice. What do I have? What can I build with? So I'll always remember that. I'll I'll cherish that that experience with you. Oh, that was a fun time. I remember another fun story about Ryan. Do you remember the improv show? I don't even know how. We had done some training on stage kissing or something. Oh, my goodness. And everybody (laughs) on the team was excited to try it out. And it just so happened that in our cast of improvisers that night, you were the only girl. Yes. Do you want to tell us more about that? <laughs> I, you know, I think I might have blocked this memory out of my mind just a little bit. Like, because when I think back to it, I go, oh yeah, that was a fun night. But when I really like take a moment to think about it, I like have a little shudder, like inside, like in a funny way, you know, okay. like I can laugh about it. I'm totally fine. Oh. But like. You know, I, I was, what, probably like a 16-year-old girl yeah. at this point. And Ryan is very cute, and she's always been really cute. Oh, my so. goodness. Well, <laughs> I, I just hadn't, I also hadn't kissed anyone. I didn't kiss anyone until I was, like, I moved away. Yeah. I moved out of the house. And so at this point, I was, like, so scared that something was going to happen. Or uh, I, I think I just... You want this to be your first kiss. No, no, no. Can yeah. you imagine? No. And, and to be fair, stage kisses that we taught, they weren't... You weren't really lip to lip. They Mm-mm. were they were fake. You should have a hand over the mouth. Or you were just... There was a big drip. Dip. Yeah, dipping yeah. upstage so people didn't see it. But you were in close proximity. And With I can imagine you being multiple afraid boys. that the boys would take advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were lovely. But it was... I would say overwhelming for baby Ryan oh. going, I've never done this before. Oh my goodness. But it was a funny show. It I was hilarious. It was a and, funny show. And you just took it and ran with it. You let go and played. And I just Was it a that. Valentine's Day show? I don't think it even was. I it, think was it was just like March. a kissing show. I think Truman was wearing a kilt or something. <laughs> it's There's so many that we can't keep them all straight. But I love that so much. Anyway, oh I just my. will always cherish those memories with Ryan. And those are just a few. <laughs> so you are, I think, a really successful young adult. And you've, you know, I've got to watch you navigate through your, your teenage years and then go through your college years. And you've, you've had a lot of success with your career already. And you're doing things that you really enjoy. You're a creator. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if you had any advice for other people that are navigating that or who are worried about that, do you have any thoughts you'd like to share with people at that stage in life? Yeah. And I think it's so natural to be worried about that too. Cause even like you're mentioning all like, I think you're a successful young adult and that's very kind of you to say, but at the same time, my brain, I'm like, really? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Um, And so I don't know if you ever fully accept that, like where you are. I think we see ourselves differently than other people do. I think Though that brings to mind that you are probably doing a lot better than you think you are. I think that's probably true. You know? that's. A, I think it's probably why we need to have communities because we get feedback from each other that might. And we'll talk more about how sometimes what we see is not a true reflection of what we are when we yeah. talk more about some of yeah. the challenges. But I think, I think just being unafraid to put yourself out there to maybe apply for things you don't think are quali- you're qualified for or even ready for. 
you put yourself out there and like, wow, yes, I have had all these successes with like getting into the animation program and, and different things like that. At that point, when it happened, it felt right. And it was like, okay, even though I don't feel ready, I'm, I'm ready to put in the work for this. Okay. That's a great description. Even though you might not feel ready, you're ready to put in the work for that. That's great. Yeah. And, and I think to, to be okay with not getting something or, or failing because even with these successes I've had, there's been a lot where I've tried to go different routes and doors have closed or I've gotten like a hard no and wow. that's been difficult. And for the rest of us, we just see that sh- you got this, you got that, this door opened, yeah. but we don't see all the other times there's you're knocking. There's been a lot of other knocking on doors along the way. Great advice. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your experience learning about play theory and like when you learned about it, how did it affect your mental outlook and What's your favorite experience with our favorite principal? Well, I was super shy as a kid. I was so, so shy. Like, growing up, that's why my mom put us in theater. She was like, (laughs) I got to get these shy girls out doing something so that they know they can be loud and take up space, you know? Um, Which I super love my mom for. But I remember we moved into the area where TNT was, like, the big thing. And all my friends were like, hey, are you doing it? And um, I was like not quite in high school yet and I, I remember thinking oh my goodness this is the coolest thing ever <laughs> like I I studied like play theory I wrote all of the the little essays for TNT I was into it um and I remember showing up just being so like even if I wasn't quite ready to like put myself out there as much as I wanted to and be funny and loud and all that stuff I was there so eager to mm-hmm. like to grow, to learn, to do something like new and different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I, I think, I just remember those young, like 13, 14 year old years with, even though it's an awkward stage in your life, it was such an exciting time to be a part of a group that felt so accepting and that allowed me to be awkward and to be quirky and accepted me in any way or form that I was, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that helped me become who I am right now. As as generic and cheesy as that sounds, I find myself being more accepting or loving, or not, it doesn't matter who my friends are or what they like. Mm-hmm. They, I have fun with them, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and I can see how some of those principles of accepting and building relationships and all of those. So. I'm glad that it was a positive for you. Oh, so much. Yes. <laughs> and I'm assuming that that would have carried over. We talked a little bit about your university experience as well, but mm-hmm. you just take all those with you going forward. Yeah. And I, I think I think it really helped me when I feel like when you grow up and you kind of leave the house a little bit you're, or just go to school or just go to somewhere else outside of your little home space with the people you know, your black and white world becomes all these shades of gray Mm -hmm. where everything you were like I thought this I mean I knew this was always true and it's you go meet people and that's not their experience you know Mm -hmm. and um I think that's a time in your life when you go to college that it's like a lot of people their mindsets are changed or very extremely changed or um they question Mm -hmm. a lot of things which questions are great and Mm -hmm. I think having things like letting go and playing or like looking outward, being able to listen to other people, 
and, and validate their experience, even if it's something I've never experienced before. It allowed me to keep what I believe uh, intact while being able to still grow and learn. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was expansive, but you, yes. you didn't have to give up what you were, but you were added to. Yeah, it, instead of taking away things, it was able to build on or modify or, or you know, stuff like that, that I, I feel like I had a solid foundation to build up on and expand my world with. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so we could talk exclusively about your talents and performance and art and some of your other great life advice. Oh, goodness. But I know <laughs> there's another really major accomplishment that is just as noteworthy and really more important in your long-term happiness. And I'm yeah. super impressed with your ability to look outward and be willing to share and talk openly about the struggles that you've had with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you want to share? I know I did a little research and there, according to the... Uh, National Association of Anorexia Nervosa. Yeah. Say that again. You got that. (laughs) National Association of Anorexia Nervosa and Associated Disorders. Mm -hmm. 9% of the Earth's population deal with some type of eating disorder. And I didn't realize this, but eating disorders are among the deadliest of mental illnesses. They're second only to opioid overdose. So that's that's intense. It's huge. Yeah. And the fact that so many people you're around every day could be struggling with this and you'd never know. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so great you're willing to talk about this because it is something that I think a lot of people participating in or experience, but not as many are willing to talk about or be open. Well, yeah. Oh, thank you. It's a cool platform to share it on. I, I remember when I was really in the deep trenches of this eating disorder, I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody about it. And my mom only knew because, like, she's my mom and was like, tell me everything, you know, type of deal. Um, Your mom has your back. No matter what you do, they do. They love you. You. You're so important to your mom. (laughs) But I I remember thinking I couldn't tell anyone. And that is a problem, a huge problem with eating disorders is that they're so isolating. And it... I found my the one of the biggest steps I had towards healing was addressing it and almost announcing it publicly. Huh. And that, that fits in with our accept and build. Mm-hmm. Because you're accepting it. I do have this. And I'm going to build on this by announcing this. And that allowed you to form relationships yeah. and have, have probably more accountability and also more resources. Yes. And connectivity with others who might be struggling. 100%. I remember I, I was so scared, but I made a post and it was on my Instagram and I was like, no one's going to like this. No one's even going to look at it. I was afraid that a bunch of people were and, you know, but then it had a really, really positive outcome. There was a lot of feedback and I got so many private messages from friends and people that I didn't even know saying, thank you for posting this. I've been struggling with this for years and it's something I never thought I could tell anyone you know, and so it was even now, I, I still try and make occasional posts about it saying like, keep your head up, you know, like there yeah. are a lot of people fighting with you. And I still get messages like a few a week now with people talking to me about this. That is, that's looking outward, right? Being, being <laughs> able suppose, to yeah. take that in and give them <laughs> that support that they need because you're at a different place in your journey. And mm-hmm. there was uh, one 
study that they surveyed women on a college campus or women in college. Yeah. And 91% of them admitted to controlling their weight through caloric restriction or dieting. And it's it's Oof. easy to turn that into. It morphs into something much more severe. Yes. So, very quickly. Yeah. It can morph very quickly. Uh, and I'm as... as nasty as those you know stats are they're not really surprising you know I oh I had so many friends in college who would talk about what they were eating and it was at the time really triggering for me but I look back at it and go they were struggling just the same you know yeah, yeah. um and it often starts as just I I need to fix myself I need to be different than how I am now which leads to really extreme measures. Whereas I think just being able to accept where you're at and sure you can have goals and you can like, you know, want to be better, but that negative, that toxic, um, toxic, I'm looking for the word shame, that toxic shame that come that, you know, that starts people down this path of I need to change isn't the right place to start. Well, I think our culture puts out a lot of shooting about what a person's body should look like. Oh, 100%. And so that shooting, no one likes to be shut on, right? (laughs) I think women get shut on a lot more than men in that body image Mm -hmm. world. Yeah, I, I would have to agree there. Wow, what an incredible conversation. Lucky for us, this is a two part conversation. So we'll hear more in next week's episode. You will not want to miss it. Until then, are there challenges you're facing that play theory could help with? How is your play theory practice coming? Please let us know. We would love to support you and we'd love to hear your thoughts. As always, thanks for listening. And remember, happiness is a practice. So keep up the good work. You got this.